Uh, we are going to be in Psalm 134. Psalm 134 tonight. This is a very short psalm, uh, which means this might be a short sermon, uh, but that's how it goes sometimes, so hopefully you're okay with it. Psalm 134. This is the last uh, psalm in this series, the Psalms of Ascent. Uh, These psalms that were sung by the pilgrims, by Jewish pilgrims, as they ascended up the hill to Jerusalem uh, to gather together, to to eat together, to have a festival together, to worship the Lord together. And they're very powerful. And uh, at the end here, uh, I want to just, I'll go back through, and I just want to read a verse from each one of them uh, for us to hear about the Lord's goodness uh, that, that the pilgrims would have sang about during that time. I think that's special. But Psalm 134, starting in verse 1, the psalm says, Now bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand in the Lord's house at night. Lift up your hands in the holy place and bless the Lord God. May the Lord, maker of heaven and earth, bless you from Zion. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this psalm tonight. Thank you for the kindness that we see in it and the focus on worshiping you. And I pray that we would do just that tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. I think this is a very fitting psalm uh, to not just to end on uh, for this series, but also to end on in, in an evening service because it's specifically focused uh, on worshiping the Lord uh, at night. And so I thought that was neat how that worked out, that we get to end an evening service with a psalm about an evening service. Uh, but since we've officially entered the Christmas season, uh, we began singing Christmas hymns today. Uh, for me, this has been like going on a month now, but uh, I think it's appropriate to, to use a, a Christmas-related introduction for this. Uh, but growing up, uh, and even still now, I have always loved the Christmas season, as does everyone who's in this room right now, right? We all love Christmas. There's something unique about it. There's something special about it. Uh, And it's this consistent buildup during this season to this really big, fun day. Uh, And and when you're a kid, you really get to feel that buildup, this huge buildup to this big, special day. And during this time, Uh, family feels a little bit more special uh, than maybe it does in other times in the year. You get to to have a little more joy in the air. It's a little bit more of a happy time of the year. You get to to bake and make gingerbread houses and watch Christmas movies and, and do all of the Christmas traditions, whatever it is that you've done with your family every year, you get to bring that back in uh, and enjoy it. We get to eat and we get to eat and we get to eat. That's probably the best part of the Christmas season is all that we we get to eat uh, and we get to enjoy it with family and with friends. And uh, we, we all we love Christmas, right? We just we love this time of year. And it's interesting as I've gotten older, I've, I've felt this a little bit. And I even remembered it as a kid and I mentioned it to Laura the other day. But I think that the time building up to Christmas Day might be the best part about the Christmas season, not even the day itself, just everything building up uh, to that one big day, right? As a kid, me and my brother and my sister, we would wake up Christmas morning early like every kid does, and we'd run, and we'd get mom and dad up, and we'd go, and uh, we'd open presents. And then I always remember, after opening the presents, there was always a little bit of me that felt a little bit let down, 
And it wasn't because I didn't get what I wanted or I, I was disappointed with the presents or anything like that, but I was let down because it meant Christmas time was over. Like we had had this big buildup and we had had this fun month and done all these fun things together and it's, it's over, right? And so that was always hard for me and I still feel that sometimes on Christmas morning. Uh, and so what we do is we try to drag it on a little bit more, right? So we'll have a Christmas lunch and then we'll have a Christmas dinner and then maybe we'll save the stockings for Christmas night so that we can just drag this day out and make it as special and as fun as possible. Maybe we'll continue some traditions on through New Year's Day, right? But the point comes when the season is over and, and you have to move on, but you still find yourself just longing to have this Christmas experience. I'm sure this is something you can all relate to, that it's always going to end, and it's always disappointing when it does, because we long for it to last longer. And what we see in this psalm, Psalm 134, is the people of God simply longing for more worship. The people of Israel, they would ascend up the hill to Jerusalem, worshiping God, preparing their hearts for fellowship, preparing their hearts to eat together, to worship the Lord. And it's no coincidence that this last psalm here in this series is the last psalm, because what we see is God's people not wanting their worship to end. They want it to carry into the night. And that was important to them. They want to continue that worship in tonight because God and God alone is worthy of that kind of worship. And the love that God showed Israel time and time again, it drew the people to God himself where they had to have more time praising him, blessing him, lifting him up. And this, this may also be hinting at an earlier psalm of ascent. Psalm 121 verse 4 says, The protector of Israel does not slumber. The protector of Israel does not sleep. In other words, even in the night, God is present. God is working. God is there, and God is worthy to be praised. Verse 1, Now bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand in the Lord's house at night. This was a call to everyone present at that time, whoever was there, everyone who was present in the night, to bless the Lord God. And it's interesting to think about that blessing God, right? Like when, when you think about that term, what does it mean to bless God? How can we bless God? When we see scripture talking about humans blessing God, it simply means speaking well of him, bringing about all the things that he's done for you, lifting his name up because you know that he's good and you feel that he's good and you believe that he's good. And you feel filled up spiritually, emotionally, in every way because you know that God has provided for you in all the ways that you've needed. So it says, bless the Lord God, all you servants who stand in the Lord's house at night. If you know the Jewish people's history, then you know that they've had no easy history, right? Like you, We can go through much of the Old Testament and see that there's been a bit of a plight there for them. There's been difficulty time and time again. There's been pain and there's been suffering, but there's also been salvation. Like There's been rescue from God. There's been God keeping his end of the covenant. There's been God's faithfulness to his people. And there's God keeping his promises. And this psalm is calling everyone who's present in that evening worship to bless the Lord God for what he has done for them. 
You know how, how they say the, the saying, hindsight is twenty twenty. You guys have heard that saying? It, it, there's so much truth in that, especially for the believer. Hindsight is twenty twenty because you can look back at your whole life and you can see how God has been there for you every step of the way. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? You can just look back at your whole life. You might be going through something very hard right now, but you can look back and you can see God was there through that trial. God was there through that trial. He, he's carried me through the good seasons and through the hard seasons. He's always been there growing you, protecting you, loving you, always with you. And that would have been true for the people of Israel too, to look back, not just at like the individual person's history, but the, the nation of Israel's history and see God's hand in their life and how he was there for them. And that alone should drive them to worship him. Maybe you're going through some, some hard things in your life right now. Maybe something not many people know about. Uh, but the thought of worshiping God right now, maybe it doesn't feel good. Maybe when you think about it, you go, I really just, I don't feel like being here. I want to remind you, your feelings don't have to be what guides your faith. And the love of Christ, that's what should guide your faith. Because even if things are really hard right now, you still have the hope of eternity. And you will always have that hope. You will always have Christ who loves you, even if it doesn't feel like it. It's still true. You have salvation from sin. You are blessed by a good God. And because he is a good God, he is worthy of worship. And this song wants to remind you he is worthy of worship. And that needs to be rooted in our core that we, we worship God because he's worthy of it. A few weeks ago, I went on a, a backpacking trip uh, with a few friends from high school. And we've been doing this every year for high school. It, it started uh, our senior year in high school for spring break. Uh, we thought we'd try out a backpacking trip. And every year we've done something. We usually go in the spring uh, and then again in the fall. And so uh, we went to a trail in North Carolina called Pine Gap. Uh, and it's this trail that leads right down uh, to the Linville River. Now, I don't know if you've ever been there, right in the heart of the Linville Gorge. And it's beautiful, and we had this beautiful camp spot right on the river. We had a great time, uh, and we would go out, and we were walking along the rocks on the river, and I'm, I'm looking up, and I'm just deep in this gorge, this, this Linville Gorge, and I'm on this river surrounded by these huge mountains, uh, and I go on these trips. Every time I see these huge mountains surrounding me and these beautiful rivers, I'm always mesmerized by the beauty that's there in that nature that I'm seeing. And I feel so small as I'm surrounded by these huge mountains. And I'm sure you know if you've been to the mountains before, you felt this. And I just look around in awe at the nature that is all around me. And I had this moment on this, this last trip where I was in awe, just, just amazed at everything that surrounded me. And I had to remind myself in, in this moment, I had to remind myself, as you're in awe of what you see right now, don't forget to be in awe of the one who made everything you see. Amen. A few weeks ago, uh, Laura, this was a little bit after that, Laura, she sent me this podcast episode. We, we like listening to podcasts here and then. And uh, it's a lesson by someone named Jen Wilkin. Uh, it's very good. It was a fascinating topic she was talking about. Uh, and the title of the lesson was, Why the Bible Hasn't Fixed Your Self-Esteem Issues. Why the Bible Hasn't Fixed Your Self-Esteem esteem issues. And it was a fantastic lesson. If you're interested in it, let me know and I'll be sure to send it to you. But she spends time talking about 
how we so often go to the Bible to see what we can get out of it. What can I get out of this? How can this help me? What, what can this do for me? And we want to go because we want to fix all our problems. And in this lesson, she gives this, this gentle reminder that the Bible is not first a book about us. First and foremost, it's a book about God and who he is and how he loves. And she says, when you approach Scripture focused on yourself first, you miss something huge, something very important. And what you miss is awe. Awe in a grand and glorious God who loves and cares for his people. And having awe in our good God, it it will drive us to worship in the way that this psalm talks about. Awe and wonder in the goodness of God, it it will drive you to worship, and it will drive you to worship him, not wanting to leave that worship because you want to keep worshiping. You'll come here on Sunday morning, and you'll leave thinking, I'm excited to come back tonight because we get to worship with God's people again. I'm sure we've all had the the moments in life where coming to church and worshiping, it, it feels more like a chore, than something you actually want to be a part of, right? Like You've probably felt that at some point where it just feels like, I should probably go. I don't really feel like it, but I guess I should go. I need to check that off my list for this week. And it feels more like a chore. And in those moments when we don't feel it, I'll say it again as I said before, our feelings don't have to guide our faith. And God, he gave us his word to remind us who he is. And if we approach his word Scripture, seeking awe and wonder, I guarantee you, you will find it. And that has the power, that awe and that wonder, that has the power to lead us to genuine worship. I wrote some verses here that, that kind of deal with awe that I thought were helpful. Psalm 33, 8 says, Let the whole earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Hebrews 12, 28 says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. By it, we may serve God acceptably with reverence and awe. Psalm 119, 161. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. Acts 2, 43. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done throughout the apostles. Luke 5, 26. And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. Scripture is filled with pointing us to awe in God, driving us to recognize Him for who He is, grand, glorious, good, all of it, and driving us to our knees in worship because we're filled with awe. The only appropriate response to awe is worship. The response is a lifestyle that is filled with praising God for his goodness, lifting hands in holy places, like verse 2 says, praying to God, blessings on his name. Verse 3 says, may the Lord maker of heaven and earth bless you from Zion. And it's understood that, that this last verse here in this short psalm is how the priest would send off the congregation after they would meet together. May the Lord maker of heaven and earth bless you from Zion. It's, it's sort of like the benediction of the service that we have, just the very end, the send-off. And that's what they would say. May the Lord maker of heaven and earth bless you from Zion. And it reminded the people, the Lord God, that you came to worship today. He is the maker of heaven 
and earth. Everything you see was made by his hands. And as maker of heaven and earth, he holds the power of true blessing. Now, I was thinking about this earlier, and a passage popped into my head from Colossians chapter 1. I think this is such a powerful passage about Jesus. Uh, verse, Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20 says about Jesus, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might have come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. That is such a powerful passage that reveals to us the supremacy and the lordship of Jesus Christ. It shows his lordship over all creation. By him all things were made. They weren't just made by him, but he made them for himself. He is the maker of heaven and earth, and his blessings have been poured out on creation. If you exist right now, you have been blessed by God. You've been blessed by him with air in your lungs, with life, with being made in his image. Every time we have rain, we're blessed by God. Every time it's sunny out, it's a blessing from God. If you have a roof over your head, you've been blessed by God. If you ate lunch today, you've been blessed by God. Everything you have, it comes from him. And that passage in Colossians that says all things were made by him. In other words, all blessings are given by him. There's something that, that we call and refer to as common grace. These are the graces uh, that God gives to everyone. Some examples are, are what I just mentioned. Rain, sunshine, life, breath, a roof over your head, food. These are common graces that God just gives to all people all across the globe. But God, he also uniquely blesses his people. And that blessing is called salvation. It's called eternal life. It's called hope. Everything we need can only be found in Jesus Christ. The common grace is food, water, shelter. If you have it, it's because Christ gave it to you. The unique blessings of being a believer, salvation, hope, eternal life, we have it because Christ gave it to us. And he is the only one who can give it and the only one who has the authority to give it. Do you remember the story of the paralyzed man uh, that, that was brought to Jesus by his friends when he was teaching? They, they took the roof off of the building and they lowered this guy down to see Jesus. And Jesus, he sees the faith in this paralyzed man and, and the faith of his friends. And Jesus tells him, son, your sins are forgiven. And when the, the Pharisees heard Jesus say that, they freaked out because only God can forgive sins. And Jesus reading their minds, knowing, knowing what's in their heart, he asks them, he says, what's easier to say to this paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven, or get up and walk? And clearly the, the answer that's easier is, son, your sins are forgiven. 
because you don't physically see anything change. Like you, you could say that to that man and not know if something actually happened. But then Jesus says, but so you know the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins. He looked at the man and he tells him, get up, take your mat and go home. And he does it. Like he, he, he gets up. This man paralyzed from birth, he gets up and he walks home because Jesus in his authority made it happen. And this is a pattern that we see with Jesus. Someone would come to him looking for healing, and Jesus would see their faith and tell them, your sins are forgiven, or your faith has saved you. And that's always what he said first. He always addressed the, the, the greatest need first, the spiritual issue. And then he would heal them. And what Jesus was doing was proving he was who he says he was. And he alone had the power and the authority to physically bless with healing and to spiritually bless with salvation. He alone has that authority. The last verse here in verse 3 about God's blessing, there's this little specific focus on Zion uh, there at the end. And that's significant because if, if you were here this morning and you heard me talk about Mount Hermon and how the precipitation from Mount Hermon 50 miles north would fall all the way down onto Mount Zion, blessing the land of Israel... Mount Zion is, is right in the heart of Jerusalem. So what that last verse is saying, in other words, for God's people originally being addressed in this psalm, Zion was not far from them. It wasn't far off. It was accessible. It was near. It was a place that they could discover. And so the psalmist here is saying, God's blessings are not far off. They are accessible. They are near. They are something ready to be discovered. Have faith in Christ and you will experience those blessings. Before we, we close in prayer, I wanted to just read a verse from each one of these to kind of close up this series. Starting in Psalm uh, 120. Psalm 120, verse 1, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. Psalm 121, verse 1, I lift my eyes toward the mountains. Where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Psalm 122, verse 1, I rejoiced with those who said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet were standing within your gates, Jerusalem. Psalm 123, I lift my eyes to you, the one enthroned in heaven. Psalm 124, verse 8. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Psalm 125, verse 1. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. It cannot be shaken. It remains forever. 126, verse 1. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongues with shouts of joy. 127, verse 1. Unless the Lord builds a house, its builders labor over it in vain. Unless the Lord watches over a city, the watchman stays alert in vain. 128, 1. How happy is everyone who fears the Lord and who walks in his ways. 129.4, the Lord is righteous. He has cut the ropes of the wicked. Psalm 130, verse 2, Lord, listen to my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for help. 
Psalm 131.3, Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forever. Psalm 132.13, for the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his home. This is my resting place forever. I will make my home here because I have desired it. Psalm 133, verse 1, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. Psalm 134, verse 1, now bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who stand in the Lord's house at night. When we read through all of those psalms, those psalms of ascent, there's one main character. Who is it? God. He is the main character of this whole thing, this whole book. It's always pointing back to him. And if you have awe in him, it will drive you to worship him, and it will drive you to wanting to worship him more. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace and for your kindness and for the beauty of your word. I pray that we would all reflect on these psalms as we continue on into the Christmas season and begin looking into Christmas passages together. I pray that the truths of these psalms would reign in our hearts and that we would see you for who you are, God, the maker of heaven and earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.